Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. That was a long intro for yourself. Yeah, it was. I don't know why I did that. It is me. <laughs> Sometimes I get carried away. Mm, just a little. You're not even dairy-fueled. I know. I didn't have any dessert except for a cookie. Those cookies were good. My grandma... Okay, I know everyone's like, my grandma makes the best cookies. My grandma makes the best cookies. But to be fair, like, this one recipe she's been using is out of the Martha Stewart cookbook, which I'm a little leery of. But, you know, if Martha's been hanging with Snoop and she's actually gone to the big house, I feel like her recipes are legit. She's legit. She's got some street cred. Yeah, it's not just frou-frou. But the chocolate chip cookie recipe is really good. And so she made that and then she just threw in some M&M's. They were phenomenal. Yeah, they were super good. Her cookies are a little, like, I like soft cookies, but hers are the exception. Those are good. These were softer than what she normally makes. That's true. They are softer than normal. That's true. They didn't break my teeth. My grandma likes- She she likes crispy cookies. Yeah, she she says, I like a crispy cookie because she wants to, like, eat it with tea or coffee or something, Um, which I understand, but generally people are thinking- they want soft and chewy cookies. I don't understand where she got this idea that cookies should be crunchy. I personally do not like it. They taste good either way. It's just I prefer soft cookies. Yeah. If I like she makes these ones called maple snappies, which I am freaking obsessed with. They're like, um, I don't I don't even know how to explain them. They're like mapley, buttery, sugary with little snappy. Like, tiny chips of almonds but they are very crispy so you got to dunk those in like a cup of hot tea and oh my gosh they're amazing but in general i do not like really crunchy cookies those cookies are the exception that's for sure yeah i do like those you got to dip those though those maple ones. they they do need to be dipped but again i also think the oreos have to be dipped i cannot have oreos without a glass of milk like absolutely not no you're wrong it's okay no, and how, no, how can you just like bite into it? Like it's all dry and you want to talk about crispy. Yeah, it's good chocolatey cookie with nice cream in the middle. Like, I don't know what no, the issue is here. You got to put it in the milk and hold it in there until it stop. the bubbles stop, just like you do people. You got to <laughs> submerge the cookie until the bubbles I've ne- stop. I've never dipped any people in milk, but uh, I'll take your word for it. But I, I just have to have, like, Oreos have to be with milk. I can't just eat them, like, straight out the package. Like, I don't understand. Like, you are a savage. No. I don't I'm, get it. I'm, I'm correct. And I don't even bother with regular Oreos anymore. Like, it's double stuffed or nothing. Or go Oh, home. yeah. You don't want that crap light cream. No one wants <laughs> that mess. I've never tried, like, the most stuffed or, like, the extreme ones because I just feel like the That's ratio is off. It's a delicate balance. Yeah, there's got to be a fine balance. I don't even know if I could dunk that. That is also my problem. It would probably fall apart. I don't know. Anyway, hot topics. Oreos with milk or without milk? The podcast within the podcast. It's true. We haven't had one of those for a while. I could go on and on about cookies. This fat kid knows cookies. And I like a lot of cookies. Anyway... The cookies didn't help my heartburn, though. I need some pickles for that. Isn't that weird? That you have heartburn again? No, the pickles help heartburn. I just think that's strange. Yeah, pickles are weird. Pickles are a weird thing, considering cucumbers give you heartburn, but pickles do not, which is weird. It must be only, the vinegar. Only if they're, like, 
this not the seedless purpose kind like they do make some that aren't that shouldn't ah genetics yeah. anyway yeah i don't understand Science. i digress <laughs> let's talk about news and crowdfunding We're talking about hot topics. I think Jason and I are about to get into it about this first one. When I, to be fair, when I picked this one and when Mike sent this one to me, um, I did not know that Jason was going to rant about it on his blog, which yeah, apparently some, is his personal sometimes soapbox. Sometimes bl- blogs just come to me and then I had to get them out. So the first game I want to talk about is Bedeville Carnival. This is by Ludo Ninja. I assume that's how they pronounce it. Uh, it's based in Krakow, Poland. I don't know, that just interests me. Anyway, uh, Bed of a Carnival, I'm interested in it because it has this really cool theme. So it's zombies, which I don't always love, but it's zombies that go to a carnival to have a good time. I can get behind that. So you take your zombies through this carnival. You're trying to go to like all these different entertainment spots, rides, you know, the 50-50 game, the fortune teller, all that fun stuff. And they're they're going to generate joy for you, which you want. And the joy is like these little like skulls with hard eyes, which I just love. That is pretty funny. Um, And then, um, but also those rides and attractions can be noisy. And the problem with that is that the grave digger, his name is Carl. Of course it is. <laughs> it's a good good grave digger name. Grave digger Carl is like, hey, somebody better put these freaking zombies back where they belong. So grave digger Carl can come along and get you if you're too loud because he hates noise um, and if he catches up with you. So also some of the rides and things also have special powers that can like move Carl around and move different players around. So you can kind of be strategic by um, moving players places by going to these different carnival attractions that allow you to move Carl around you closer to your opponent and further away from you. Another cool thing is um, that each of the different characters and all the characters are wicked fun. Like they're really cool. Um, have um, asymmetric player powers, which I also really love. Um, so, the, and there's also like little, these trickster tokens that you can use um, to kind of distract Carl and, and move him around. So there's different ways to mitigate Carl's actions, but you're trying to collect like souvenirs and joy. Um, and if you had the most fun, like you win. I just think that's so great. Like I love it. And like the, the characters, like there's one named Cindy and she kind of has Cindy Lopper esque look to her. Um, there's a dude named Albert who is like carrying his head around. Um, there's a girl named Monday who looks kind of like punk rock. She looks like Wednesday Adams. Does she look like Wednesday? Um, a little bit, but she has red hair. There's like Clay, who is this big biker dude that's holding a rubber chicken. I don't know why, but he says, that's my chicken. <laughs> so it's funny. That's why. The artwork is really cool. Um, I think the theme is funny. They've got some interesting other like things unlocked that's pretty cool um so if any of that like the offbeat theme the artwork check out bed of a carnival it has four days left on kickstarter and there's only one pledge level and it's 50 bucks now apparently just because it has four days left on kickstarter um some of you may have seen this on game found previously which is where jason's rantiness starts (laughs) 
yeah so this is this is not a game that i'm uh, like a top something i'm gonna get on a hill and die for but it was on game found in may they were kicks or whatever crowdfunding it there it closed did its whole thing there funded all that kind of thing and then in july as of july today's the 14th it's on kickstarter again when that other campaign just closed two months ago so my issue is I'm not going to talk about the game found one. My issue is, is it a good look to have a first edition two months before you're doing another reprint when people who did the first edition haven't even had a chance to get the game yet? That's my issue. It looks shady because it's on a different platform and it's so close to when the original one funded that it just gives me weird vibes. Like, it looks like a cool game. It looks fun. But I just think the crowdfunding piece looks a little, little iffy. And my thing is, like... As of right now, GameFound and um, Kickstarter really seem to service different crowds or like not everyone is really into GameFound yet. So I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering if it's like just different marketing, because for me, like I honestly think that Kickstarter is more really not about funding projects anymore i feel like it is like a entirely new way to market your games and so for me it would be a natural thing to put a game on both game found and kickstarter to give it maximum exposure and i think i could agree i agree with with that but i feel like i would rather that do then do it at the same time. Oh, I see what you're saying. I, like, if you want to do that, say, hey, we're going to do it on Kickstarter and GameFound because we want to get maximum exposure. I would be fine with that. But it just seems like we did one two months ago and now we're going to do another one. I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. But would there be pro- pr- it could be fine. It just, I don't know. It seems weird. I wonder if there'd be pledge manager problems if you did it that way. Yeah, yeah. That I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the logistics are different. I don't know. You just seemed like up in arms about it. And I was like, I feel like this isn't a big deal. No. And again, it's not like it just seems it just seems fishy. Like, I don't, I don't even really care that much. I didn't back the game. I have no dog in this fight. But it just I don't know if I backed it the first edition. And then I saw it go back up again two months later and I'm not getting any updates or I don't have any shipping or whatever. I don't know. It just that wouldn't sit right with me. So. That's kind of my rant. My issue would be if it was cheaper on GameFound or something. You well, know that's what I mean? True. No, that'd be a huge issue. That would really tick me off. <laughs> right. And I, I don't know because I didn't follow it on GameFound. I would yeah, be surprised. But I just think you're just like absur- assuming the worst. You're like, oh, look at these shady buses doing it. And I'm like, well, it's not a big deal, right? <laughs> because that's the world we live in where people, I assume the worst in people because a lot of the places do the worst things. So maybe I'm wrong and that's the best case scenario. But... Just on the outside looking in, it looks terrible to me. So that's where I am. I mean, obviously, we didn't reach out to Ludo Games to ask to Ludo Ninja to ask them <laughs> to clear right, all this yeah, up. Yeah, because yeah, again, no dog in the fight at all. That would be like actual yeah. journalism. Um, <laughs> Come on, we're not going to do that. Right. Their motto is play, immerse, amuse. So I feel like if we, we pull off that immerse, maybe that's what they're trying to do. I. I don't know. Maybe. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're just trying to get to more people, but just the optics are bad. The optics are bad. Okay. I think this game looks cool. It does I, look cool. I, I would really like to play it. I think the theme... I, I 
don't know why. In general, like, I feel like if people met me in real life, they'd be like, oh, Katie, you're so happy. You seem like sunshine and rainbows. But you know what I love? Really dark, creepy themed games. <laughs> like, I'm like, ooh, look at this. This one's like some, um, like, oh, there's a bunch of, you know, zombies running around. Don't they look cool? Look at that. This, this Here's a dead guy that looks like this. Like, I'm so into it. Like, there's this one, Black Lotus. She's my favorite. There's joy in silence. That's so cool. Like, she looks awesome. Why do I love these things? I don't know. I do like it when the kids are quiet, though. I agree. Stop. Anyway, if you're interested in creepy, weird themes like me, check out Betterville Carnival. Four days left as of when this podcast drops. And it does only have one pledge level. 50 bucks. I do appreciate that, too. Is it? And it actually has, like, some good game components and good art. Like, you get little coffins to hold your joy in. And the joy are these, like, little cool like 3d skulls yeah it looks great i'm not disputing you acrylic standees ah ah i'm not backing it but it looks cool dang it i want it i backed septima okay we're done oh my gosh we're gonna be riding the septima train for years i have this feeling that's true remember that one time when i backed that (laughs) one really expensive game no there might be another one on tier today that we might back (laughs) Okay, so in a completely different vein, a little tiny game um, from a ceramic craft artist, which I think is fantastic. Um, so it's from Japan, Mitsuo Yamamoto, and this game is called Nico Boss. Now, if you're familiar with Japanese, as I'm sure you all are, Nico is the word for cat. Yeah, you knew that, right, babe? Oh, yeah, I know lots of Japanese. <laughs> Domo arigato, all that kind of thing. Morimoto from Top Chef, got it. Or Iron Chef. <laughs> I, I realize I set myself up for that one. I should really edit myself out sometimes because I make myself sound really dumb. <laughs> I know. People will be like, that Jason guy, what a moron. I really am not dumb. I just don't really care about something. <laughs> I'm <like> just that. <laughs> dumb. <laughs> yeah. I'm really not dumb. Way. I'm just totally uncultured. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Mm, you sound like a hilljack. All right. So anyway, Nico is cat. So this game is about herding cats, which I stinking love. What's really it's it's really basically an abstract game. But the cool thing about it is you have a the board is ceramic. The cats are ceramic tiles. Um, it has almost like a checkers feel where you have to lay your cats out these tiles and move them around and they start stacking up. And once you get to like a stack of four, it's considered a herd. And so, but it's very difficult to like stay in control of the cat herds, you know, like it is. Um, There are, there's like a miniature version of it, like a small, like 12 inch. And then there's like, I think that's what it is. No, it's even smaller than that. Um, but the, the interesting thing is you can get a mini edition, so it's smaller, or a standard edition size. And then you can get, but since it's ceramic, like you can just like flip it over for different a different player count. So you can get either a two-player um, map or a multiplayer map. And so you can also play solo, um, but it's really, a, it's like a, it's, it's basically like a two-handed kind of solo game. But I mean, the components are unflipping believable and so i know some people really like little abstract tile games and i also we have friends who for some reason love every game about cats i can't figure that out but 
If you're interested in abstract games or just really interesting component games, check out Nico Boss. Um, so there's seven days left. If you just want um, the mini version of the game, a two-player one is $19, which is super reasonable. If you still like the mini version, um, $24 gives you the multiplayer. But if you're like, okay, I'm not sure about the mini version. It might be too small. To get like the standard size, $26 for a two-player um, board or $37 for the multiplayer board. So very reasonable for excellent components. There's also this like deluxe-ish version that's like, um, what do they call it? It's like wooden, it's, yeah, um, wood line, or what do they call it? Wood framed. So it's an eight inch ceramic board. Um, with like 36 intersections, um, two different colors of 18 pieces, 12 black pieces, nine green pieces for multiplayers. That's like $363, which is outrageous, but it's like really cool. So the standard size board is six inches and then the mini board is four inches. So cute, little, um, and very affordable. So that is Nico Boss, um, seven days left on that project. It does sound cute, but this is not the one that I was talking about bat- backing, but it does sound cute. I know. It does. Y- y'all know I love to support my my Japanese games. And the last thing I want to talk about today is no exception. This Kickstarter is a combination of two things that I love. Um, one is a game called 100 Tori, which we have talked about in this podcast before. And the other is Hanafada, which is a game I've talked about in this podcast before. So, a couple weeks ago, actually. That's right. Now there is a Kickstarter out there for a deluxe Hanafada duck and the 100 Tori Diverging Pass, which is the expansion for the 100 Tori. Um, Hanafada, I talked about it. It's this like kind of matching card game. Uh, this version has like big cards, giant cards um, with artwork by Vincent Dutrait, who... I, I do have a soft spot for who also does the artwork for the 100 Tory and many, many others. Now, the cool thing is you get this awesome artwork. You get these big cards because normally Hanafadar cards are like tiny little cards. Like think um, the Ticket to Ride cards in, oh, yeah. in the yeah. original Ticket to Ride. like Maybe smaller. Itty bitty. Um, they're fun. I really like original Hanafadar cards, but... To have the bigger ones, you can really see the artwork, which I think is neat. They've done some cool stuff because they've given you all these English rules with like a player guide for each player. Um, so it should kind of show you like a reference to reference like what the sets are that you can collect to make points. Um, so they've got like eight of variants of the standard kind of koi koi um, gameplay. They also have a way to play koi koi solo which I think is really interesting because I've always played Hanafada at two players. You can play it solo with a brand new solo variant designed by Bruno Catala. What the what? I mean, it's like awesome on awesome. And the artwork is freaking gorgeous. Oh, obviously. Like, I love the the, the original artwork, but it's really cool. It comes in this really pretty box with a sleeve. Um We've got all these reference sheets, even like, because for me, growing up, looking at these, I know which cards go with which month, because there's, uh, it's basically like 12 suits. So it's like one for each month in the year. But each suit has four cards in it. 
And so for me, I know automatically which cars go with which suit. But if you aren't used to that, some of them you're like, how does this mean? What do you mean that goes with that? So there's a reference sheet for that. And then all these variants, they've got another like variant wandering visitors included in there. Plus the solo variant. There's even a history of Hanafada. Oh my gosh. I'm like super stoked about that. So in addition to that, you can also get the expansion for the 100 Tori. And the 100 Tori is a really beautiful tile lane game um, where you're kind of building this Japanese garden. It's re- I really enjoy it. And sometimes I get real weird about tile lane games because, you know, my brain yeah. doesn't work right. This one's pretty, pretty easy, though. It is because you have two tiles and then you play one. <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. But it is kind of thinky because then you're like, okay, I want to get a path from this one object, this one garden decoration to another, but I want to go through the most Tory gates and like pass the most stuff. So how do I get that to work out? Like there's lots of thought involved. I love that. So to give more to me with that game, yes, please. So this has got four new locations. It's got two new characters. Um, and one of the characters I was telling Jason is called the gambler and it comes with a die. So automatically like, there, there's going to be some pusher luck there. I know it. Which, oh, that's like Jason. No, I have to back it. Thanks. Jam. You could have gone know. without that. And it comes with two mini expansions. One with matcha. Um, that's going to give some benefits to characters. And then one with sake, which is always great to have. That gives you some immediate benefits and then can be some like long-term um, effects based on that, which I think sounds really cool. Another really neat thing about what they're doing with this, this expansion and Jason would probably hate this um, because he likes to get rid of the secondary boxes of most expansions and put it all in the base box, which... Well, there's no way that's going to happen in this one anyway. Which drives me bananas because I like to have them separated in case I don't want to play with the expansion. And while it may be obvious to someone who sets up the games all the time, when I'm flying solo and trying to set up a game for other people, I don't want to look like a moron who doesn't know how to play the game because I can't figure out what parts go to what thing of the game. Anyway, I digress. Um, but it, what it does for this is like you get four new four like new locations. Each location is in a little tuck box. And so it's got the, t- the big towel for the location and then whatever other things come with it. So maybe tokens or or um, cards, they're all in this little tuck box, and on the back it shows you what goes in each box. Then it's got like a separate little area for your new characters and the tokens that go with them. Like very nicely organized in the box, looks really good. Um, Again, the beautiful artwork, it it makes the board bigger so you can do different things. I am just super pumped about all this stuff. So, if you're like me and you're like, dude, I need this deluxe Hanafada set and I need this expansion, 65 bucks for both because this is like a big deal expansion. But that means I have to already have the 100 Tory, which I happen to have. But let's say you don't or let's say you're like, uh, I don't know about the 100 Tory, but man, this Hanafada stuff, you've been selling me on it, Katie. Have no fear. You could just get Hanafada $30. I mean, Big cards, Mr. Trade Art, a bunch of variants. Sounds good. But maybe you're like, ah, I, you know what? I don't know about the Snafida. Let me just do 100 Tory. The expansion, the mini expansions, $40. I obviously want both. Maybe you want to go all in. You're like, I don't have the 100 Tory, but you have convinced me, Rabbit. Okay. Check out the 100 Tory full experience, which is $75. Reasonable. 
If you want everything, if you want all in, 100 bucks, 100 bucks. But I'm shooting for for the 65. If I can convince Jason to back it at 65, I'll be happy. So check this out. Deluxe Hanafada deck and the 100 Tori Diverging Pass. 10 days left in the Kickstarter. So I'm giving you some advance notice so you can, you know, maybe check out the 100 Tori. I bet Jason, do you have a video on this, babe? No, I haven't done one yet. Oh I've been thinking about it. Gosh. Well, about it. now now I'm putting I'm putting you on red. Okay. Um, until you do it. Like it has to happen so that people can see what Hunter Tori is about. Um, I don't you don't I don't even know that you've attempted a Hanafada. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I no, I have not done a Hunter Tori and I've not attempted a Hanafada, but I, I'm like ninety percent sure I'm gonna back these new cards here. So if I do, I will do a review of these cards because they are gorgeous and we'll also show off the game because same kind of rules, but bigger cards will be easier to see on camera. That's true. That's true. But that gambler really has me intrigued. <laughs> I know. Um, I knew you would. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see the, what happens. the die looks like it's got the different decorations on it. So it's like, do you play the gambler and roll it to see like what decoration you're going to be able to use to like... Or like if you get the same one that you picked, you bust or something, that would be cool. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. I'm intrigued. Yep. So check those out. 10 days left on that Kickstarter. And if you want both, like I do, $65. And that's what I have for news and crowdfunding. All right. So let's move to some games that we played. We only have two today. Just haven't been a lot of time to game with some stuff going on. But we do have two games that we played, and we're going to talk about those. The first game that we're going to talk about is a game that our friend Chris has brought over, I don't know, four or five, 22 times. And it's a cooperative deck building game called Shadow Rift. Um, I don't know anything. I didn't know anything about the game until we played it. When the board was laid out, it kind of looked like Thunderstone Quest, and it kind of looked like Aeon's End. Similar like mm-hmm. that. It's a similar theme anyway. But what we're doing, and this is a cooperative deck builder, so we're all like, we have the same starting cards, and we're all working together to keep these monsters that are going to be attacking throughout the round from killing all of our townsfolk. So there's there's basically, we each have our own deck of cards, but there's also like a shared deck of cards that's on the board that we each can use. And another cool thing about this game is there's no turn order. You just kind of take a turn when you want to take a turn so you can discuss it and take turns and just whenever you're out of cards, you're clearly done playing. And then, you know, if too many of the townspeople die, you lose the game. If uh, you run out of corpse cards, you lose the game. There's one other way to lose. I can't remember. Um, But there's two ways to win. You're trying to either get rid of the shadow rifts by closing them with seals or you're trying to build these eight walls and get them into the, the town to protect yourself from the monsters. Um, it's a pretty simple deck builder, really. Like it just functions like most other other deck builders. But the cooperation is really cool. It's hard. Uh, we came down to basically probably the last turn, and we were going to die, but we actually pulled it off, and we won. Um, has you know fantasy art. I don't really care about that, but really <laughs> nice quality production. I I enjoyed the game. It was for a cooperative game because I'm not big on those. I don't mind cooperative deck builders as much, but for a cooperative game, I had a good time. And, you know, I, it, it was so it was hard, but it wasn't like impossible because we won. So I, I like that, too, where it doesn't feel like, you know, the whole game, my head's underwater and I can't do anything. I felt like we had hope and that was fun. So what did you think about Shadow Rift? I felt like we had no hope. Like I was like, this is it. Are we done? Die now? OK, next turn. Like I liked it, but it, it was a little too brutal for me. 
I, I honestly felt like we had no hope whatsoever. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It felt hard, but it didn't feel like, you know, yeah, it felt terrible, but we were, we were doing all right. We were fighting. We were fighting. You didn't have a stack of wound cards as big as I did, though. That's like, true. That is true. It, it felt very difficult. Um, but it had some interesting mechanics to it. And I always like a good deck builder. Um, the, the thing is, it's very hard to actually. I think get new cards because you're trying to balance a lot of other things that are happening, um, which are going to take up the cards that you have in your hand. I almost, I almost wish there was a, a better way to hold cards over or something. Um, Cause it, it is like, and that's what makes it really a difficult game. Um, I liked it. I would play it again, but it, I probably wouldn't choose it because it is like so brutal. And I thought the artwork is hideous. I mean, it's it's how like Aeon's End looks too. It's just the fantasy stuff. Um, yeah, I I, I I don't know. I I thought it was fine. I would like to try not the dragons. See what if the other monsters feel oh. different. You know, because we had the dragons, which had the the burns and all that stuff, which was just terrible. Um, yeah, it was really terrible. So I'm not sure if other monsters will feel less punishing or more mm. punishing. So yeah, I no, think that could be true. interesting. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. So, I just yeah, want to play I, I, it so like Chris would get off our backs, but saying like I brought this over a billion times and we never play it, and I had to relearn it because you guys just didn't want to play it. I'm like, dude, I don't care what we play. Like, no, we he'd always bring it, and I'd be like, yeah, I want to <laughs> play this other game instead. <laughs> That's what's going I, on. Like the box is super ugly and unappealing to me, so you don't let me choose the games because I'm gonna be like, well, that game's ugly. I definitely don't want to play it. So yeah. I will say for you, the box doesn't do it any favor. I don't care about that, but yeah, it's definitely not. You know, if it, you got if you got Batoku and Shadow Rift sitting oh, next to yeah. each other, <laughs> like forget that other junk. What's this? It was like yeah. basically just like a maroon colored box. Like that was yeah, it. Said the name on it, yeah. But the game, I enjoyed yeah. the game. I thought it was fun. Yeah, the game's pretty good. I'm always careful now what I say because I know Chris is gonna listen and then be like, "You said that you liked that game, and then you said it was terrible." I like how I gave like Chris two different voices there in just like the span of two minutes. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so the next game we played it what just me and Katie played, and it is a game that we got from a friend of the show. His name is Fred. Yay, Freddie! We've talked about Fred before. Uh, we like Fred, but we do. Fred made me a good deal on this. He was selling a bunch of games, and I snatched this one up. And the game is called Finca. And this is a game, it's been out of print for a long time. Uh, I don't know why, because it's really rated really highly on BGG. And mm -hmm. it's a really simple, like, family weight game that, you know, you can teach in a couple minutes and get going. And effectively, what you're doing in this is you are gathering fruits by putting these, moving these people around this windmill in kind of a Mancala style. You're going to, um, based on the number of people that are on a windmill, when you pick one guy, one person up, they'll move that many spaces. When they land, however many people are there, you're going to collect that much of the fruit. And then what you're trying to do is you're trying to deliver these fruits to these different areas on the map to score points. And the numbers of fruits that can be delivered are ranging one to six. And on a turn, you can you have a capacity of delivering six items if you have a donkey cart, or you have a special... Uh, one-time ability where you can deliver 10 things. So you're trying to maximize your deliveries to score the most points. If you can get a delivery of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 before the other player, you're going to get some bonus points. When you clear out an area, there's going to be a Finca tile that's going to reward the player who has a certain type of fruit, an extra 5 points, and that's it. You're in uh, in a two-player game, 
once four areas are cleared, game's over. Score it. Whoever has the most points is the winner. It's a really nice looking game. It has thick, chunky um, fruit pieces, kind of like juicy fruits, but actually not as mm-hmm. big. Um, it's really easy to play. It's nice. The board is small. doesn't take up a ton of table space. Just a good time. It's And teaching is easy. All the rules are, you know, nothing's doesn't seem like it makes sense, and I, I enjoy that. So I'm glad I finally got to play it. I can't wait to play it with, like, Brandon and Josie to see how they dig it. Because oh, yeah. I think they'll like it. But So what do you think about Finca? You played this before, right? No. Oh, I thought you did. One, I knew how to play it because I watched the Rado run through with you. Oh, right, right, right. I thought you mentioned that you played it with Joel one time. Maybe that was another game. No, I think it was. I think I played Chinkatere. Oh, that's right. That's right. I get those two confused. I sometimes. do too. I'm like, it's a tie in one where you deliver stuff. There's no Vespas in this one, though. There's donkeys. I would like Chinkatere. That'd be sweet. Chinkatere. Yeah, I know. I think that was the one. I don't know. Um, yeah, I like this one. The production is good. I don't know why Fred got rid of it. Yeah, I didn't ask him. I don't know. It's fun, Fred. Know. Is it like possessed or something? Like, <laughs> watch it on the shelf. We What's got Demon happening? Finca in the in the boardroom. I knew it. Um, but yeah, it's fun. I'm interested to see how it plays at more players. Because um, it too, it was it was still fine. I think it scales fine. Um, I, I'm not very good at games like this because i like programming where i need to move and go because i'm not very good at juicy fruits either um but it's that doesn't bother me sometimes that bothers me in games where i'm like okay i'm obviously a moron i'm never gonna figure this game out like it's just not it just is not my niche um but I, i didn't feel that way about this game and it's it is kind of it's it's casual like it doesn't feel super high pressure it goes pretty quickly um, and, and I really like the components. I love big, chunky components like that. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Yeah, you're only doing two things, one of two things on your turn. You're moving right. a person around and collecting fruit or you're selling fruit. That's it. <laughs> That's right. It. And so, again, one of those games where it's like, okay, my action's super easy to take. But then what do I – like deciding which person I'm going to move around and – you know, yeah. how can I get the most fruit and what fruit do I actually need? And of course the fruit that's I need is I can't get and okay. getting the people where you need them is really tricky. Really mm-hmm. tricky. So it's a nice it's that really what I, I feel is a really sweet spot between easy um like gameplay but thinky decisions. So yeah, I liked it. All right, so those are the two games that we played. Let's talk about shelf number three. Shelf number three. We have reached the bottom of the first shelf right inside the to the left of our game room door. Um, this one has some f- kind of fatty games on it, so there aren't as many to discuss this week because we just couldn't fit that many on the shelf. To be fair, again, what's on there makes no sense to me why they're grouped together. Um but it is, I think, a pretty dang good shelf, if I do say so myself. So are you going to get started with this one? Yeah, I can start. As I see you making notes on the outline. Yeah, like, who's yeah. going to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, I'll start. So the first game on the shelf is actually a game and its expansion. And this is one of the ones that I couldn't fit in the same box in the base no box. Way. There's so much stuff. You could barely fit the base stuff in one box. Well, and that is because we bought the fancy. Yeah, that's true. We have all the different shaped meeples, and the game is Dinosaur Island and Totally Liquid Expansion. Um, yeah, totally there's liquid. so much stuff in this game. Uh, it 
takes up a huge ta- presence on the table. We I actually just played this a couple days ago uh, when Katie had our youngest at cheerleading. I was Oy. playing. I was playing this game with our friends Chris and Amy because they wanted to play it again. They played it a long time ago. So yeah, I busted it out. Setup sucks. I hate setup. Teardown is terrible. But in spite of all that, the game is really great. Um, I wish I could fit it in one box or it had a big box or something. That would be nice. Um, but all the different meeples has really awesome components, a slap bracelet for the first player marker, eighties artwork and components galore. It just bright neon colors. It's so good. Such a fun worker placement game that dinosaurs can eat people. And that's cool. So dinosaur Island, totally liquid expansion games. Number one and a half, one and one and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, of course, was like, we need to get the different shaped dynamoeples. And, and again, it's not necessary, but they look cool. <laughs> exactly. And I like to play with them and make the dinosaurs fight and eat other, eat the little, there's these little goat meeples in there for one of the expansions. And I like to make the dinosaurs eat the goats because it's funny. Chris um, built a water dinosaur. But he grabbed a pin, like a pin extension that was not water. And I told him at the end, I was like, dude, you didn't grab a water one. He's like, I didn't know there was water ones. Your dinosaur <laughs> died because it didn't have water. You shouldn't even count as points. He lost. Yeah. He had a, a land paddock in the water. It's fine. It's Wait, all good. Again, it doesn't so matter. Cool. Just <laughs> art. Yeah. It's it matters fun. to me. Uh, the next game is, I know, a big favorite from one of our friends, Tim. Tim, some call him Tim. He talks about this game all the time. In fact, everybody over at the Board Game Rundown does. And that is Taverns of Tiefenthal. Um, Taverns has a lot of stuff that we love going on. Um, Mostly the idea of using dice as workers. (laughs) Um, And the cool thing about Taverns of Tiefenthal... I actually didn't realize this at first, but Tim and them kept talking about it. And I was like, oh, you mean you can only play with part of the board? <laughs> In true Jason fashion, we whipped out all the modules straight up. That's so, right, because we ain't no quitter. We are not. I can't even imagine what it would be like to play it with just like one or two. Um <laughs> So you can, you're running a tavern. Um, and in order to do that... You are like you can hire people um, to work at your tavern that actually makes things easier for you. You've got customers that are coming in. Some some of them are special that can give you extra points. Um, you know, just the general upkeep. You've got to bring. You can bring beer in. All those things happening in this game, and you're using um, whatever the value is on the different the dice um, to make these things happen. So it's just a lot of things that we really like. It has almost a little bit of a Grand Austria feel, which y'all know, huge fan of Grand Austria. But it's got like this really funny, fun theme. You can use these little schnapps to like make things wild. Um, We don't have any of the expansions. And Jason was telling me that the expansion was, I think it's called Open Doors or something, was not in America yet. Yeah, I don't know that for sure. I was I was guessing. I think so. I don't really know. I don't know. I'll, I'll Google it. But in looking at some of the pictures on BGG, I'm like, dang, I feel like I should bling out 
my Taverns of Tiefenthal game like I did for Grand Austria. Because there's some cool stuff. You got to balance your money. I mean, all kinds of cool little things happening um, with your cards and in your tavern. And that was a really terrible explanation of it. We haven't played this for quite a while. And I kind of yeah. think it's time to rig it out again. I agree. Ooh, the expansion's 35 bucks on Amazon. Well, well, well. Maybe it's Amazon. Make sure it's Amazon US because sometimes it pops up as Germany. Nope, it's US. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I might have to look into that. But side note, we'll look at that later. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Very good game. Teventhal's <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, it's a deck builder, dice drafting, board upgrading. It's got everything. Everything a good game can have, this has it. It's good. All right, so next up is a game about terracotta warriors, and it's called, I'm going to butcher the name, Xi'an. Yeah, is that's that right. right. Mm-hmm. All right. And this is, it's about terracotta warriors, yes, but effectively the way this game works is, it's uh, you have it's going to take place over, I think, like 12 rounds. So you have 24 or 26 cards, if it's 12 or 13 rounds. And you're going to be using two cards around. One of the cards is going to determine how quick you're going to take the action, so basically turn order. And the other one is going to be the action that you're going to take. You're going to do this. It might give you some paint. It might give you some other resources. Then you're going to move this little worker around. It's going to let you maybe build some terracotta warriors, move, um, get some weapons, do all this kind of thing. And then what you're trying to do is you're trying to get terracotta warriors out on this board next to each other of your own color to score a bunch of points. You're trying to do set collection with these like uh, weapons and armor and all that kind of thing to score the most points. It's a pretty, um, it's it's a little game for as big of the bo- as the box is, but it's really good and fun, and it's one that I wish we played more, but we just don't. So that is Xi'an, game number three on the shelf. Yeah, um, again, this is my, like, I, I obviously, this is my theme area, um, but I don't remember really liking this game all that much. And you, I th- you, you did play it, right? I have played it. Okay. But I think it feels like area control or something about it. I just did not like. Uh, you probably played it with Brandon. I'm sure he. I did, it. which is probably why we played with Brandon Josie, which is probably why. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as when I played a game with Joel, and I was like, oh, that's. True. Yeah, I would never play this true. game again. I will play Shion <laughs> again. <laughs> but yeah. if I'm gonna play a game about China, um, as much I've actually been to Shion. Which I don't know. Maybe I should play the game more so I can talk about it. I remember when I saw the actual Terracotta Warriors. It was amazing. Yeah, I saw them too at PF Chang's. Remember that? Oh my God. Stop. <laughs> remember when I said about you selling like a hill jack? Like, uh, oh, sorry. I, I, see, again, that could have been something that I could have gotten the whole hour without saying, but I just no, couldn't do you it. just get up yourself. Um, if I want to play a game about China, it would be this next game, and that is Gugong. Um, what I love, like, I want to read the tag on BGG for this. Exchange gifts, send service servants, and visit the emperor in a luscious 1570 China. <laughs> Why do they call it luscious? It's so weird. Yeah, that is really dumb. Anyway, <laughs> Gugong is a really cool game. Um, we have like this awesome Kickstarter version that has these amazing bits and this beautiful sleeve. Like, it's so great. So you are going around trying to get influence and power by exchanging gifts, basically, which is so common in Asian culture. Like, you would not believe. Like, I couldn't go visit my Japanese relatives. My grandma was like, okay, I can't afford it <laughs> to go and bring all the gifts we have to bring to all of our relatives in order to just stay with them. So anyway, gifts. 
you're going around and there's different locations on the board to do some kind of gift exchange. You can also um, help maintain the Great Wall. That's going to give you some points as well. There's a little bit of sailing at the bottom. Like there's lots of cool stuff to do. And the way you do that is through these cards that you have, which is what's really neat because you can, it's so the cards represent the gifts. So you go to these different places and in order to play there, you have to be able to offer a gift or a card that has a higher value than the one that's there. So that's like, there's a lot of strategic kind of things happening because then when you play that card, you take the card that was there before. So you're getting different cards, but you're like, oh, I really want to, you know, get some jade here, but I don't have the right card to go over that. But then not only that, but you have to move up um, to get an audience with the emperor. You have to like move up the staircase to even be considered to win, regardless of what points you have. If you don't get up there, it's you're you're done. So there's lots of really interesting things going on, different parts of the board, um, so many choices to to make. But really, what you're doing is playing a card like of a higher value. That's it. But the choices are really neat. The opportunities. Um, for these different tiles to get special powers to move. You've got these little horsemen that move around in this other part. Like there's just lots of different cool stuff going on. The artwork is gorgeous. The components are gorgeous. Um, it's just such a good, good game. I would, I want to play it again. And we haven't honestly played it as much as we probably could because I got to tell you two players, not good. It's just, it's just not And I think some of that is because you're exchanging those cards and the different numbers are moving around and it doesn't happen enough at two. Yeah, I agree with all that. But it's it's a really good, really beautiful, um, interesting game. I like it a lot. Yeah, and I will never, um, you know, be one to play a game at more than two. But this one, you need more players. Yeah. All right, so the next one, that last game was from Game Brewer. This next game is from Game Brewer. So there's a little bit of why these are on the same shelf, they're the same publisher. The rest of them, I have no idea. But these two, they go together. And this one is called Paris. And this is a Kramer and Kiesling game. We also have the, I'm not even going to try to say it, it's like Les Trois expansion or Trois, something. Les Trois star. Yeah, I was close, see? Stella Artois expansion. And it is, <laughs> I know how to say that. And this is a, it's a game of. that's basically a, I don't even know how to explain it. It's basically um, five kind of rondelles with some area control where you're using these little keys as like your workers and you're claiming these buildings to get some stuff. You might get uh, a resource or something or some kind of points. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to upgrade in these different, these burrows or whatever they're called. And you're trying to eventually get up to build a landmark up at the top that's going to be worth a lot of points and kind of give you an area control because it's like five or six different games of area control. If you have the most influence in that area, you're going to score a bunch of points at the end of the game. Uh, You're also trying to get money. You're trying to get these resources that you can turn in for stars and all that kind of stuff. There's a whole lot going on, but at its heart, it's an interesting worker placement area control rondel game. has really nice components. It has like almost wooden tiles, kind of. I don't know if they are wooden, but they're really, they're not, cardboard they're really nice tiles really nice art has a thing you can put in the middle of the board the arc de triomphe or whatever you say arc de triomphe i can't speak all my french comes out like spanish 
Um, so, yeah, it, it turns into Spanish. But it has this thing you can put in the middle of the board. It looks really cool. It has nice um, player shields that actually clip to the bo- uh, board on the bottom so they don't fall over. Um, really fun game. I don't know. Someone was asking if we play our thoughts on two, and I couldn't remember playing it at two. Uh, Katie said we played it at two, but I don't remember. I only remember the higher player count games on this one for some reason. But, yeah, we I'm not sure. We played more of those. Yeah, we've played a lot more of three and four players, and I think that's where probably this game would do better because there's more stuff going on, more people fighting for areas, and that's that. But it, it would probably work at two. I just can't remember. But this is a really good game, really nice production, and one that we don't play as much because it's kind of a beast. It, it starts out you can do anything you want, and then near the end, it kind of comes to a screeching halt when you, everybody's sitting there thinking like what they're going to do and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a good game, but... Not everybody's into it. So that's Paris. I really like it. Um, the production is so good. Um, I, I I like the idea. Like there's so much fighting over resources and trying to make sure you have the right ones. And how far are you going to go around in the track to get these different bonuses? Um, to beat out other people for really good bonuses. Because those in-game tiles, man, they can really make or break something. Like it's just... It's such a good game, and it looks really pretty. All right, the last game is I don't. Why did you talk about like who made these games? I don't know who makes anything, so I have no idea who who makes this last game. It's w- Wizards of the Coast. Oh, that's what I thought. I'm like, since it's Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> I actually know Dragons, those yeah. guys. Although I'm kind of mad at them right now, so I don't want to support them. So strike that, bleep it out. Um, but the last game, and this has the expansion. Is it shoved in there? Or is it two boxes? Yeah, it, no, it's all in one box. Of course he did. This is Lords <laughs> of Waterdeep. And it says on the outline, it's all in one box. It says right there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually looking at it. I just stopped after expansions and didn't uh, read all one box. <laughs> um, It's just one expansion, right? Scoundrels of Skullport? Yeah, it, it's one box of expansion, but there's two like modules in there. Oh. There's, oh, uh, yeah, the Undermountain. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah two little boards. Okay, yeah. Lords of Waterdeep. This is classic. Um, This, again, a very early game for us in our collection. This is contract fulfillment worker placement. This can pull a lot of people in because it's loosely D&D themed. Like one of my favorite cards, like missions, is to like domesticate owlbears. I mean, who wouldn't want to? Um, I've also had some people like get all weird about it and be like, oh, well, I'd, I don't want to play a Dungeons and Dragons game. I'm like, it's not like it's not. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's so f- it's Dungeons and Dragons in name only, basically. <laughs> I mean, you've got wizards and you've got like you're a sa- like y- your rogues. OK, sure. <laughs> there may yeah, be you- some words that are used again, but they're cubes. You can also just say, hey, I'm going to this area and getting three cubes. Done. I want three orange cubes, please. <laughs> three orange cubes. Yes. So Lords of Waterdeep, again, just worker placement, contract fulfillment. Great game. Super, like, big board. Big board. Um, but it's fun. Like, we play this a lot. Now, with the expansion, Jason is obsessed with the Skullport module. I, I love it. I can't stop it. Um because it has this corruption resource and so it's got some cool places you can go but you get corruption if you go there or if you do these certain things um 
And corruption is negative points. I don't know if you understood that when we played the last time. It's, it's only negative if a lot of the skulls are off the board. If they're just, you know, the first section's gone, that's fine. I mean, it's not till the it, very end until they're worth like negative 10 yeah, points yeah. per skull. It's fine. It, it wasn't fine. It's never <laughs> fine. There are ways to get rid of them, but Jason kept accumulating them. The Undermountain yeah, one I lost is, like 70 points at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, mm, I don't think you understood this. <laughs> the Undermountain module kind of has another place to go. Different quests, risks and rewards. Um, you've got the new faction um, of the Grey Hands, so you can play with six people. With that, um, I think the last several times we've always played with Scoundrels of Skullport. Yeah, it, it doesn't add a ton, really. It just add, basically adds the same stuff plus the corruption. And the corruption is not that difficult to explain. Really. Yeah, um, but it does like add this, I think, another board. And it's kind of large. It is a little bit of an unwieldy. The boxes are also large, which I'm kind of sad that you got rid of the expansion box. I know it It takes up a lot of room, but there's like a big beholder on the front of Scoundrels of Skullport. And I love that. Who doesn't That's want true. a beholder? Yeah, it, it might have had a better better art, I think. But yeah, but it's this is a good game. Um, like, a nice, solid one to fall back. Have we played this with my cousin? I don't know if we have. I don't think so. The last time we played it, we played it with Brandon and Josie when I lost like 70 points. Yeah, that was embarrassing. But yeah, um, this, yeah Jeremy might like it. That's true. Yeah, I feel like it's a good one to like, um, it appears to be more than what it really is. So some people are like, oh, I'm kind of new to gaming. But they, they are like, yeah, but I can I can handle it. I think Lords of Waterdeep is a good one to kind of like get them, get them started in that direction. Oh, yeah, I agree. It, I mean, you can pl- learn some worker placement on this, contract fulfillment. Then you can jump into some other ones that give you a little more, like, pizzazz. So this will, you know, this is, I would call this one of the granddaddies of worker placement because it's just, it did it great. It still works great. And a lot of people have played it and gone on to other games that do it in a little deeper fashion. Yeah, good game. Yeah, so that is the bottom shelf. We have completed... Like our first set of shelves. So now you know just one little slice of what's in our game collection. So do you guys like these games? Um, do you hate them? Do you want to see reviews or playthroughs of them? I guess we could start offering that. We never talked about that. That's true. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of these games, actually. Yeah. Um, so let us know on our socials. Um, hashtag the Riveted, the best Facebook group ever. Of course, um, chat with us in the Discord, shout out on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Um, we love to hear from you guys and talk about games and try to talk about games that maybe aren't discussed a lot or have been put on the shelf and we haven't touched them for a while and renewing your interest in them and our interest too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> wow. That, that's it from you? You had nothing else to chime in there? No, I'm like that guy in Major League, you know, the one that... Uh... Uh, only says like one word because the other guy won't stop talking. <laughs> oh, the announcers? Yeah, you know the the one announcer with gray hair, the one that always talks, but he always yeah. goes over like, "So, what do you think about that, Marty?" And he just like sitting there drinking or whatever. <laughs> I'm that guy. Cool story. All right, deep cuts here. <laughs> it was a cool story. Major League is great. I I agree. I like Major. League. I forgot to tell you. I we were at um, I was with I wasn't with you. Because the person I was with, they didn't get it. I was like, someone over there is wearing um, a Vaughn Indians jersey. That's the coolest thing. Who was not? Who would not know who that is? Grandma. It wasn't grandma. It was somebody our age, but they didn't seem as excited about it as me. So I automatically assumed they had no idea. 
<laughs> Lame. <laughs> Loser. Anyway, talk about games. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah. the Cleveland. They're not. They're the. The Sentinels? Guardians now. Oh, Guardians. 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 I need to get me a Guardian shirt. I don't have one of those. I just had the old one with yeah. the, the offensive Chief Wahoo. Maybe now Major, Major League's going to have a different uh, tone to it now. They're going to have to put the disclaimer at the beginning. Cleveland Indians, who are these? Who's this team? Like if somebody's watching like 30 years from now, you know? <laughs> I think they'll be all right. Yeah, okay, probably. we've derailed. Um, anyway, so that's our last shelf. Um, next week, we're going to do a different topic. Um, and then we'll be on vacation for a week. And then we'll probably come back and hit a different shelf. We want to try to mix it up for you. Jason just can't go plowing through our entire game collection. He thinks that's well, cheap. I don't think people. I don't think people want to hear that either. All the time either. So we're just I don't think people want to hear anything that we talk about. But somehow well, we still have listens. That's probably true. You're probably true there. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let us know if you've liked um, going through the shelves, and we'll keep it up. Or if you hate it, we'll keep we- it up. <laughs> in your face <laughs> we might keep it up or we might just not do as much <laughs> <laughs> okay i've been katie and i'm jason keep gaming everybody keep gaming